0: Hello, and welcome back to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Today's special guest is Tomas <coughs> from What's Going On Hair from Instagram, which I love that catchy title. Tomas is a haircutting educator and has many years of experience and lots of wisdom to share with us on our fabulous industry that we all call. Oh, but I do No, <laughs> of course not. Welcome, Tomas. Thanks Thank for being you. here.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: So I just took Tomas's, uh Zoom virginity. I'm excited about that because I don't know how many people I could say that about. It's been and it
1: went and it went fine. It did. It went fine. I'm 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 good. You know. You
0: survived.
1: <laughs> I survived.
0: I'm absolutely amazed that you've made it through COVID and beyond without being on a Zoom. So you must have a much more interesting life than I do. I've spent the whole entire year and a half on Zoom, multiple times a day, every day, basically. Um, so I'm guessing I know that you are doing lots of education is all of your education in person, and that's how you've avoided the, yeah, the zoom, you know,
1: I, I, I really like the hands on when it comes to especially haircutting, you know, I do have my students and, and a lot of times I give them homework. And it looks great, you know, it looks great when they send me the pictures and all that and then when they bring the doll head in and I start going through it. You know, there's a lot of maybe things that we could have improved on, which we do here in class. So um, if I was to do a Zoom class, I feel that a lot would be lost. You know, uh, it needs to be hands-on. I need to be there. I really need to see what's going on. Body position, the way the distribution of the hair, the way the scissors are, are held. Of course you can do that in Zoom, but I, I believe it's limited. So I kind of rode through the COVID situation and waited when the system said it was okay to get him back in here and work hands-on.
0: So where is there? I know you're in California, but what part of California?
1: You know, Montrose, California, which is basically Upper Glendale. And uh, uh, it's just a little cute little town up here in uh, in, uh, in Upper Glendale. Uh, Pasadena would be, uh, uh, Pasadena's to our west, and then we have La Crescenta east and a lot of people are familiar with the Pasadena area but really when a lot of times when I say Montrose all I really if I just say Glendale because it really is Glendale it's just a small little town people say oh okay Glendale but we call it Montrose because you know we're special cute little town.
0: So speaking of small I get the impression that you like to to work with a smaller group which I love I've I've seen a lot of buzz in social media this past maybe three months of people saying I just want to get to a hands-on in-person class again I think people appreciate the hands-on in person and I think they appreciate um, a smaller group and more of you you know rather than you having hundreds of people how many people do you normally have in a you No,
1: know, uh, my salon used to be bigger we had to kind of cut it in half because of the COVID so we lost a certain part of it, but, you know, I can fit about four people safely in, in my That's salon, perfect. you know, four to six. Uh-huh. I really like to focus on my professional students and also students. And I can, I can get a little too scattered. right And uh, so four to six is, is a good amount, good number for me because I really like to focus on individually as much as possible. Now I do, individual classes, one-on-one. And those are also options.
0: And but do you from- predominantly do cutting or do you do a little bit of everything?
1: No, it's, it's cutting. You know, I take my uh, students through a program beginning. We have uh, the principles of hair cutting. I take them from, let's say, for example, a line all the way through into layering. So the principles of, of, of cutting at one length, which we call maximum weight, taking them through graduation and then moving into layers and even within those principles there's a lot to learn um, like for example when we start with a line we we do uh, a triangle. first we start with a one length. so i really start i don't care at what level you're at we really start with the basics then we move into a triangular line which we share with our clients as an a line then i move them into a square bob per se and then I work into a round line. And once we get through those, we go into graduation and there's external graduation, internal graduation. Now we get together once a month. So it can take just one full year, if not a little bit more just to get through graduation. And then we move into the layers, which of course, you know, we have convex, concave and flat, And after the program, which is basically really about a three-year program. Now you don't have to do this, but I do have stylists close by that can take the time and they're close enough where they can come once a month. Uh, We move into creative cutting, which is basically applying all the techniques and principles. And then you yourself create your own shapes and your own haircuts, per se. But then again, that's what we call our Sunday-Monday program. If you want to do private lessons, they can even move faster, but it's up to you to get here. We spend three or four days together. We get as far as we can to those four days. And then, you, of course, you go and you practice and you come back whenever you can. And then we continue and progress. So we do that. Stylists do have that option. I
0: love my, that. My, we have We have juniors, brand new stylists that are out of school and as you know, you know when the salon's busy, the the busier stylists that have you know 25 years experience just don't have the time exactly. to stop and explain the why of what they're doing. And my, my daughter's now running my salon. And she's like, oh, I wish I could just send them to somebody that could really take the t-. it sounds like you're that person and I'm sure they wouldn't mind being sent to California.
1: <laughs> Thank you. And you know the, the, the interesting thing too is, you know uh, for my background as an apprentice, uh, it's really important that the stylist, with all the respect, no matter how busy they are, is to take the time and educate their team. Uh, each individual stylist, when let's say, for example, I use Sassoon, uh, through my program, there was a stylist that was chosen by the Vidal Sassoon Academy, and they they educated you that evening. So they took that time and it was their time to get you through the program. And then the following week would be another stylist. So it was kind of rotating. And they were, they were kind of, you know, they were so, they had so much passion about their craft that they didn't mind sharing it with the with the up and coming. You know, you do have those that would roll their eyes, oh, I'm so busy. We got to make the time, you know, let's make the time for them because, you know, it gives them the sense of, of giving goal driven and, you know, and motivation. And we got to give that to them. It's, we can't just, it, can't, it cannot just be us, the individual. It's got to be the team effort, which unfortunately that's what's starting to happen without due respect with those sweet salons where it's just one stylish or two, there's not a whole lot of sharing going on unless it's through Instagram or your Facebook. So I kinda, I do miss that. My salon is a two chair salon. I do miss that looking across and seeing what somebody was doing and thinking, wow, what's going on over there? Of course not interrupting them during that time, but, and then that, that slight, like, always, I always say challenge yourself. But, you know, there's always that stylist in the salon that that was outdoing you. And you just had to do better to kind of, you know, so it was that kind of play back and forth. Who's the best cutter, per se? I, and I know would,
0: we miss having that like Warren Beatty shampoo day. Oh, my God. Was, like, you probably lived that in your. <laughs> spot times, you know? I lived it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I love that. What? A, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Warren, what? A, wow. Yes.
0: What happened to that though? Why did it shift so much? Um.
1: Well, God, that was you know, in, in the sixties and 70s, was it was really all about the relationship between the fem well in the movie Shampoo about the female client and the good looking studly hairdresser. Um, I think what happened it was a great movie. That movie was based. And I almost worked for him. His name was Gene Jacob. Oh, okay. We him up and he was the one that helped the writer write it. And the sixties and seventies was all about that. You know, about sex and drugs. And, and when Sassoon kind of came in, even though Leo Passage from, from pivot point,
0: pivot point yeah. I mean,
1: he is so underestimated, you know, that man was, it was a creative genius. He gave our, our career, he gave our profession a language. Once Sassoon, Sassoon came in with uh, haircuts were basically created in the 20s and he kind of reinvented them. Then that whole discipline came into when it comes to haircutting and then Ann Humphrey with color. We kind of lost that when big business got into our profession. Mm-hmm. When uh, when these companies were bought out by Procter and Gamble, when they were brought out by these major companies, and then it was more about more about the money, and it was less about the craft. It was more about the razzle dazzle, which you see a lot of today. And you'll see that when I do my what I do in my program, and I tell I tell my students this all the time: master your craft, the creativity will come later.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know. Get become the best, and when it comes to those real avant-garde haircuts, that's only really about 1% of our industry. The other 99% are the beautiful classic lines, and if you learn these lines, you can make a lot of money. Then after, when you got that support, your financial support, then you move into the razzle-dazzle creativity stuff if you find the clients for it. In the 90s, there was no problem finding models for asymmetrical looks and and very avant-garde feels. We've gotten more as time, it's it's become more of a a business, which everything is a business, but it's become more paycheck to paycheck. So we've kind of lost that creativity. And I think uh, we may have given it a little bit back back to the clients Instead of us being the ones that sit, stand behind the chair and say, hey, look, this is what's happening. This is what's going on. And I, we took a lot more chances in the 80s. I started here in 78, but we took more chances in the 80s and 90s. We were kind of in charge. And when the industry, when big business came in, they started saying, well, you know, that's, you know, it's more the the client is right, which is we know that's not necessarily true. Always right. So we've kind of lost it when big business came in, we kind of took it away. Now it's more razzle dazzling us.
0: You know? I agree. I, I see so many times, you know, people will reach out for help on the Facebook forums and say, my client doesn't want bleach or my client, my client doesn't want this or that. And I'm like, when did this happen? You know, I don't ever remember asking my client what they wanted on their hair. I asked them for a, you know, a picture, a photo and some guidance, but not the how, The what, yes, the how, no. And now it's like, you know, Instagram and Pinterest have made them armed and dangerous and they, they know just enough to be annoying, but not enough to really know what they're asking for properly.
1: Very misinformed. Yeah. They're just very, very misinformed and and then, then we have to take that additional time to kind of educate them before moving into our uh, our craft and creating. It's definitely, yeah. So yeah, that's for me, just to reiterate, that's what basically happened. Our, our, our industry was taken away from us. You know, we had a lot of respect. The consumer really respected us for, for a good long time. And then we open up, not us, but... Well, it starts with us because let's say, for example, supercuts, those were actually two hairdressers that kind of created that, you know, get in, get out, uh, you know, and we were a lot more when you walked into a salon, there was, there was just a lot more prestige, you know, now it's getting in getting them in getting them out, do it for seven bucks. The blow dry bars. I mean, people used to come into our salons and pay 80 $90, I know. Do you remember
0: I, when the blow dry bars first came out? People are like, wow, what an amazing idea. I'm like, we've been doing professional blow. We've all been doing, you know, really nice blowouts for years. We just didn't make such a big deal out of it. The way that that menu became, it's almost like clients didn't know we did that. You know, they would come and get their haircut and get it blown out, but they didn't even think to come and just get a blowout. Right. Um, and- but yeah, I was like every salon has blowouts.
1: Yeah. And we were paid good money. And then these places open up and they cut the prices. And unfortunately we participate because we're the hairdressers that go to these places and do the blowout. And we're working for people that are never even touched a brush or a scissor or comb, you know, people outside of our business. I always said, I will never work, not work for myself, but I would never work for anybody that's never been behind the chair, mm. you know, but now, you know, you could, uh, these, these franchises, and you're working for somebody that knows nothing about our business, telling us what to do. So we contributed to that. And, you know, and it started in the 70s. But I just know till then, and I, and I remember even to the 80s, we were very well respected. Very, our craft, we as heritors, were very well respected. It was, it was an honorable trade. And it still is. But we've been dumbed down. I mean, look at a lot of uh, um, these—I don't know—states that are looking to just make our uh, do away
0: with the licensing, do away with licensing,
1: and 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 we have a lot to do with that, you know. um, By working in these places.
0: Well, right now, the the new popularity is mobile, you know, going onto an app and getting somebody to come to your house. I can tell you, I, I moved to Florida almost three years ago. Mm -hmm. When I first got here, I could not find anybody decent to put my color on. So I was just like, whatever, I'll do it myself. And I never, I've, I've owned a salon for 32 years. I never put my own color on. It is miserable. I mean, I have a white bathroom. I was getting it all over the place and I've been doing this for 35 years. I couldn't wait for that damn timer to go off. And when I'm in the shower, I'm just thinking about how this retouch is running over my blonde and muddying everything down because I can't put the pressure on really high and separate it the way I can in a sink. I've done my daughter's hair where I have to stick her head in the sink. And I'm like, how are celebrities, I know for sure that Kris Jenner has Tracy Cunningham go to her house and she lays on the kitchen counter and then dips her head back in her kitchen sink. Kris Jenner, they have, you know, millions and millions of dollar homes in the Hollywood Hills. Put a little salon and throw a sink in a chair. <laughs> like, why are you laying on your kitchen counter? Awesome. And, and the mobile prices are higher then in the salon, I'm like, this is so backwards, you know, like the salon. And, and that's what I meant when I referred to Warren Bade. I didn't mean you sleeping with all of your clients. I meant like, <laughs> the salon was like a place that people looked forward to going. It was yes. fun and upbeat and the music and, all, and, and that's all gone. Everybody's in these little drawers. I call them Stuart little drawers. I did a suite for like a minute when I first moved here. Because it's all I ever knew was hair. So I'm like, all right, I have to just go and and get myself a suite and start doing it. And I've, you know, I had a salon when I was 22. I started out by myself. So I knew I could be by myself, but it's been probably, you know, 25 years since I was by myself. So I tried it and I didn't like it at all. Like it was just so isolating. You know, it was just me and the client and just you know nobody connects with each other at the suite like i pictured everybody you know interacting in a break room or something some kind of community piece and i didn't i I don't know whether it was just mine i shouldn't say that about maybe all of them aren't the same but there's just something missing to your point like when you can look across the salon and be like wow look at that color she just said or just you know look at that client's bob swinging when she turns her head you know i i missed that a lot
1: yeah I I did too, walking in, you know, checking out the stylists as they're working, as you're prepping up. It was a great presentation. Everybody was, we would help each other. We grew as a team. I I, I don't know if I'm saying the quote correctly, but they say, if you want to go, what is it? If you want to go far or something, go alone. Oh God! I wish I, I remember that. If you want to go
0: fast, if you want to go fast, um,
1: go alone. If you want to go, go, go far, if you
0: want to go far, go, go together. Yeah,
1: together. And, and that was—that's the way I was introduced to the profession, and that's something that really has kind of been lost. You know, will it come back? It'd be nice. I mean, I, I have another maybe 15 years in the business because I love this. I, I don't. See, it's funny when people ask me, "Well, what else would you do?" I I, I think I'm with you. I don't know anything. Can't
0: even imagine. Yeah, I <laughs> I, can't imagine doing.
1: What anything. I don't know anything else but hair. You know, um, but just to reiterate a little bit, if it comes to, when it comes to our newcomers, I know that when it comes to beauty schools, they just want to get you through to pass. You know, uh, state board. Now there are schools out there that that give you a little bit more than that, which is nice. Uh, but when, when but when they come into the to the real world, I see a lot of them immediately, you know, uh, renting stations and getting right into out these, school.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh my God, I spent after beauty school, I spent four years of primacy, then continuing, continuing education. You know, I I, I, I'm lucky enough to work under these guys like Henry Abel, Christopher Brooker. You know, I never got to meet um not never got to work with Roger Thompson, but these were like incredible cutters that that I had the opportunity, Trevor Sorby, the opportunity to to, to work under, you know, and just watch them and, and, and help me grow. And and one thing I'm a little concerned about is, you know, the new incoming stylists, you know, where do they go? Because there used to be places that had the reputation, you know, because unfortunately, they'll go into apprentice programs and they'll be used and abused. And so we had more of a guideline. In those days compared to these days,
0: I agree. And I love that, that you brought up the apprentice relationship apprentice mentor relationship because that is gone. I haven't seen that in at least five years and that's something that literally keeps me awake at night because I have relationships and and I'm counting you as one of them now because there's a reason that we connect it. I can sense that you have that passion for giving someone a result, a tangible result, when they walk away from a class with you. You're not smoking mirrors, you know, like here's a a funky, you know, trendy thing that's gonna last a minute. You're talking about classic lines, classic techniques that are gonna form that foundation for them moving Mm -hmm. forward to be able to do any haircut. When, When I went to Sassoon, I did the five day cut and color. I had had already done hair for several years. I had already owned a salon for seven years, was fully booked and happy as a clam, but I felt like a fake. I did not know what I was doing with cutting hair. I did it all by feel and I would go in and because I was doing it by feel, I was creating all these lumps and lines because I wasn't using any kind of structure. And then I would spend the next 25 minutes getting the lumps and lines out with texturizing shears and, you know, just trying to like break it up and and work through it. And I was like, I thought I had imposter syndrome. I I came home to my husband. My daughter was nine months old. And I said, you know, I really think I need to take a step back and own that. I really don't know what the hell I'm doing and get my butt to be down soon. Like I need that structure in my life. I need to understand the bone structure, why... You want to take haircut to here versus here. You know, what how do you decide between that? What does it mean, you know, to have a side part versus a center part and you know, face shape, eye shape, all of those things. And when I got there, I was, I remember the first day being in tears when I got back to my hotel. It was just too much, you know. But looking back, it was the best five days and the best investment I ever made in my life because it's never too late to say, I don't know you know, tuck your attitude and your ego between your legs and get the help that you need. And that's something I don't see right now. I see a lot of people faking it, faking it, faking it, faking it and going paycheck to paycheck until they hit like year 15. And then it's either go become an x-ray technician, a nurse, a teacher, or quit altogether.
1: You know, it's interesting because when I was at Vidal Sassoon, this was around 85, 86, Christopher Brooker, uh, I, he was the top hair cutter of our time. And I said, Christopher, where do you get your inspiration? And he said, I look down, I see what's coming up. I see what the new kids are doing and I take it and I make it my own. And I've, I've been in the business going on 40 years, 35 years in the business, very successful. I came across this cutter uh, named Mike from the Kingley hair group. He is incredible what he's doing with haircutting and the way he's reintroducing the techniques and principles, I reached out to him and I, I've been with him now for about three and a half years. And I remember when we first started, he was like, what are you doing here? I mean, this guy sooner, you're successful. What are you doing here? Tell him you got something I want. I don't care how long you've been in the business. I don't care how old you are. If you got something that I want to, and he has, and I thought I knew it all. He has evolved me as an educator and as a hair cutter beyond belief. And this is a guy that, when I started with Sassoon, was like six years old in a skateboard. Wow! And look at him now. You know, he's—I'm uh, fifty-nine. He's like forty-six. But he—he he had something. I saw him cutting. There's a there's a there's a great educational uh, program called Nick Education. Oh uh, yeah, I'm familiar with
0: it.
1: Yeah, he's he's awesome, and I saw I saw one of those videos, and there was Mike, and I said, this dude, I I, I got to learn from him. So I don't care, you know. And there's that whole thing. Well, you've been in the business thirty years; you should not know more. Not yeah. necessarily. So I, my ego is gone when it comes to education. I will hunt you down, and I'm gonna I'm gonna. you got? I want. And it's been a great three and a half years with this guy.
0: I love it. So, Is he um, local to you or do you have to drive? Oh, home? I,
1: would, I would drive once a month for two days to San Diego, wow. spend the night. I would spend Sunday, Monday with him at three and a half for three and a half years and come home once a month, once a month. And he's worth every penny. And I, I went into my savings and I started pulling out money to train with this guy.
0: That's awesome.
1: But he, I I, got to give him the credit. This man has made me much better at everything Uh, in in our industry when it comes to cutting and eating and teaching. If my ego would have got in the way, because I've been in the business 35 years, I, I know more than him, I wouldn't have gotten to this next step, which is great. And our know, people are saying, well what? That's, that's so old. why are you you know it really has nothing to do with me or my age. I'm just so hungry about our industry and our profession that I will constantly constantly be progressing and looking to improve myself. because that's what we do as artists. We're not happy. And if you they would you know if you're ever truly happy at your work or at your craft, get out.
0: You're getting, yeah, you're getting too settled and (laughs) complacent. You mentioned Annie earlier, Annie Humphreys, my first hair color um, experience. I I was so clueless and so desperate for the education. And Hair Color USA was in Miami. It was the first year that they did it. And I was 19 years old. I had never been on an airplane. And I got myself there and I looked up on the stage, and there was Annie Humphreys putting hair color on. Do you remember the old school picture square things? It was like the the negative in a thing. She was putting the negative thing over hair and then painting in the squares to like, she was so far ahead of her time. I mean, they're showing that now that was, you know, I'm 54. I was 19, but I, I do a, um, a two day virtual hair show called revival, which I would love to have you next year um for revival we did we did not know each other when I was um doing the lineup for this year I was looking for to get in touch with Annie and nobody can seem to get in touch with her I've, last I heard she's living in the south of France and is very happy to be retired and relaxed and you know off off on her merry way but I would love to have her even if it was for 10 minutes just talk at the no, event
1: um, you know they were well, they sold Sassoon a while back ago and they they all just disappeared uh, christopher brooker i do keep in touch with christopher brooker he's also somewhere in the south of france one lady that was powerful uh jerry kasunza from sebastian the sebastian. woman that
0: yeah
1: can't get a hold of her she's done you know they're like and, and i respect it i mean i would love for this woman to be this lady i'm sorry to be interviewed and just she was such a such a leader in our industry I'd like to get those people back, but I think they're kind of, you know, they're kind of done, <laughs> you know, they're probably yeah. like, hey, that's great. And they, they kind of moved on. Uh, just to add to our, our conversation, uh, and we were talking about, you know, the newcomers and how important it is as, as us as experienced stylists to to uh, help them grow. Uh, I'll go to beauty schools. Well, not with the COVID thing kind of fell through, but there was a couple of, when I would, give a lecture there or you know do a demo a couple of students that I would kind of see that they, you know they kept focused in the class and so forth and what I would do is I would free education at no charge they would just have to pay for their doll heads I would actually take my Thursdays where I could have been booking three or four clients starting at five o'clock and they'd come in and at no charge we work on haircutting and, and and I and I've had incredible experiences with great girl Anna Maria you know Anna Maria McCain and she started with me halfway through her well she was in beauty school and then she'd come and train once or twice a week with me and by the time she finished beauty school that she was way ahead of the game when it came to haircutting
0: that's amazing and
1: and I just find that's better than 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 cash just just watch them grow but they got to show the they got to show discipline they got to show their education because just you know they got to value my time. And that's one thing we're value, you know, giving ourselves value. Yeah. It's very important. And we can't let people step on us. So when they came in and I would work with them, of course, you know, you have three or four and they all wither away. And then you have that one or two that stayed through the whole program, you know, because they
0: realize the value of what you're offering them. You know, it's, yeah, it's a maturity yeah. thing.
1: Yeah. And uh, so I've had incredible experience doing that, bringing people and, and helping them grow and then watching them continue in, in their journey. I just, I just I, it, it just makes me feel good. You know, it doesn't have to always be about money, but you will, you will give me discipline and you will show up on time. And that, that is suffices enough for me when it comes to the newcomers, you know, in our business. So I just wanted to share that with you too. About I love that because how-
0: that's where I was going with that conversation about um, true mentorship versus education. You know, I think a lot of people don't know that there is a difference. They think, you know, like, oh, I love this educator. They're my mentor. But I, I think a mentor relationship is so much more than technique, so much more than how to step-by-step. It's more a nurturing relationship of you know like karate kid you know what I mean like where that person just becomes part of your your life and your family like that's the kind of mentorship that I love to have with people so I it's it's something that like I said I stare at the ceiling at night trying to figure out how can I have Tomas and Elaine and Beth Minardi and you know Beth (laughs) like there's so many people that do what you and I do, and we're all doing it on our own. We're all like doing our own thing alone, doing it with a small group of people where I would love to have some sort of, that's what I can't seem to figure out how it works. Cause I know you're not a fan of virtual and virtual makes it easier with us all being in a different place, but a true mentorship where it's not just part the hair. This is how you hold the fingers. It's hey, Jill, how's it going? How's it going with your clients? How's your confidence? you know, that check in of a true, you know, someone that's a a little bit further ahead of you that can kind of reach down and pull you up and and help you get through things a little easier.
1: You know, if you're the best in the room, find another room. Yeah, you got it. You know, uh, I'm constantly seeking people better than me you know, that, 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 that I can grow with because, you know, if you're the big fish in the pond, basically ain't going anywhere. And another thing I really quickly, I like to touch on is customer service. You know, uh, there's a lot of us that are really good at what we do, but we suck at customer service. And one thing I've learned through my apprentice program was customer service and how to treat a client and how to be respectable, Uh, how to market ourselves. I mean, we didn't have doll heads in the eighties. You had to go out and find models. And by doing that, it taught you how to build a clientele. 100%.
0: You
1: no, know, uh, because we, uh, I remember when I, uh, there's a, a gentleman named Alan Benfield Bush from the, mm. the ABBA Academy, the method. Uh, yeah. When I first left beauty school, I, I was with him for three months. And uh, he was like, I need four models. And we would run out there. And we would get these models, and one thing that he, he taught me was how to build a clientele. I got so used to rejection that when I finally left, and then I moved into went to Sassoon after, but prior to that, I spent a couple of months out of uh, the educational program. I went to a salon called Heidi's here in Glendale, in the Glendale Mall, and I was within three months I had a full clientele because. I walked into every business and hey, I'm a hairdresser, yeah. and I see somebody walking by and say, hey, I like to do your hair. I would have never been able to do that if I didn't get used to the rejection. Uh, it became secondary and then customer service. There's a great book, and I'm sure you heard by Dale Carnegie, How to Make Friends and Influence People. Mm-hmm. Awesome book. There's a great another, another great book for for students that I like, it's called Steal Like an Artist. Mm, I have it. Yeah, okay, girl, you know what I'm talking about. And, and and we also have that aspect. Real quick story, when when I was finishing my apprentice program at Vidal Sassoon, Christopher Brooker was given a master's class, which was like $2,600 to $3,000 a week. And it was one week. And then you had the classic courses and everything. Uh, there were like 500, 400, 350. And he said, you're gonna help me teach this class. And I was, I was just out of an apprentice program. How can I teach master? And these cars start showing up and the you know, Mercedes Jaguars and these beautiful, well-dressed people were coming into the class and I'm freaking out because that image, they just had incredible value. What am I gonna do? And when they start cutting hair,
0: they were you knew, okay. you knew more than them, yeah.
1: But the thing was is boy, they had charisma. They, if you drop the comb, they will be the first ones to pick it up. Can I get you a glass of water? They had, they were so professional. They had that so locked in and they were making the money. The very technical ones that did beautiful haircuts, they were in the $250 weekly course because they didn't listen to their clients, Mm -hmm. nothing about customer service. It was all about them. And I learned that just uh, throughout my my career, but that really was the booster about how important your presentation, the way you look, the way you conduct yourself. To be honest, you can get away in this profession just by those things and be a mediocre stylist.
0: I agree 100%. I always teach um, anyone who comes to work for our salon and that it's all about the 80-20 rule that, you know, if you have Perfect. great customer service skills, confidence, and you're just kind and you give the client attention, you really don't have to be that great at the technical skills because there's a lot of bad hair walking around that clients think are great. They don't know good from bad. They know how they felt when they were in your space and in your care. So it's yeah. so much more important. Absolutely, I when, love I that. I know I wanna sign up for your cutting classes. So tell me how people can reach you and have this amazing uh, small class opportunity with such a master.
1: Oh, thank you. Please continue. <laughs> 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 um, they can reach me through what's going on here on the Instagram, and which a lot of them do. And from there, we can talk about a one-on-one course, a private course. Uh, the Sunday Monday classes are, we're just finishing up in October. We start again in January, February, if they're in my area, they're more welcome to reach out and we can talk about the program and what it's about and, and get them involved. So yes, that would, that, that would be, uh, that would be their, 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 options, you know,
0: that's awesome. Private, Do you ever travel? Cause there's, there's a beauty school here that I want to start doing events oh, yes. at in Sarasota.
1: Yes uh yes
0: awesome we'll talk about that
1: we're done yeah the real quick really briefly though i kind of had a story for you but you know what i might share it next time with you because it kind of just slipped my mind <laughs>
0: that's because that's i'm but an I, interrupter i'm sorry about that oh
1: no I no just wanted no to
0: make sure people know how. To no no <laughs>
1: that was awesome thank you for that yes please. <laughs> thank you yes. so much.
0: but everyone listening please reach out and experience this amazing Educator and all of his wonderful years of experience and just um, you know those those core foundations that never go out of style that are so important to what we do behind the chair, especially longevity. I noticed after I came out of Sassoon, my clients' their grow out was they didn't even need a haircut for three weeks longer than they did before because it was actually cut well and grew in really nice.
1: Right. Yeah, I, I remember my story really quick. Go. So I, I, when I worked at Vidal Sassoon's, there was Christoph. There's a guy named Christoph that worked in mm-hmm. Beverly Hills. He's the one that did Clinton's hair on the plane or something. Yeah. And there was a, his assistant was Sophia. And I was so in love with Sophia. So I'd race over on my lunchtime and I go to see Sophia. And one day he looks at me, and says, you can't work because we used to wear Vidal Sassoon shirts and mm-hmm. you know, as assistants. And I said, OK, I'm sorry. And he said to me, you're wasting your time at Sassoon's. And I said, what's that? He goes, all you need to do is learn three haircuts and vary the lengths. And he's right. Christoph was making a lot of money doing that, but my my profession, my craft, was more important to me than just learning three haircuts and and just being the business aspect. I, I wanted to get a lot deeper, and here, hence, here I am.
0: I love that, and Good and time. it definitely has paid off. That's amazing. I'm so happy to meet you. I loved our chat, and I hope everyone listening will you know take the time to follow you on your Instagram. Thank it's you so what's going on hair. I like that. Um, and yeah, definitely let's, let's get together and do some, do some fun things together. I would love to Thank awesome. you. So much. Thank you. Thank you everybody for listening. We'll see you on the next one. Thank you for listening to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Please subscribe and be sure to leave a review. For more information on hair color education, please visit my website www.expertcolorsolutions.com. See you soon.